0: Why can't I be the MVP of the league? Why can't I be the best player in the league? I truly have enjoyed being your quarterback. Right between the eyes. A spectacular Too big, too strong, too fast, too good. We just gotta do what we do. We play like we play. Can you feel that? That thing is beating your doggone chest right now. Can you feel that? Can you feel what's about to happen on this field? What is up, diehards? Wes Monell in the building for Wall Sports. How you doing? So let me reintroduce myself. Because it's been quite some time. This is a relaunch of the Wall Sports Podcast. And if you've been following me on Twitter, cool. I appreciate it. Had to be a family man. First kid. I actually have a second on the way right now. But yeah, the homework... For the NFL, the NBA, it just never stops. It just does it, not for me. So today's show, I'll reintroduce myself a little bit, and then we'll dive into some sports. Five notes from 2019, from the NFL season, including Super Bowls and quarterbacks. And then 10 key quarterback situations to wrap up. So as far as my reintroduction, Wes I've been writing, editing, podcasting since 2011, I have a passion for basketball and football, only played running back in spring football, and flag football I played. Long story short, I was bitter at my dad for a while, but he helped me out in the end, I'm a 5'7", point guard in basketball, I went to high school at at a running school, they ran the ball like 40 times a game, even with their quarterback. Um, My dad tried out for the Rams in the 90s. He played fullback and linebacker, special teams. I inherited my teams due to family ties forever. I've been a diehard fan of the Philadelphia Eagles, the Chicago Bulls, and the Chicago Cubs. I'm a Chicago grown kid from San Diego, but my parents, that's how they raised me, Midwest style. I have family over in Philly. So I inherited my teams. I didn't pick them. I didn't switch the style up. It is what it is. I rolled with it since I knew what football, basketball, and baseball was. I played basketball from age 4 to 28. I was a coach's son. My dad coached youth and high school boys basketball. I was a four-year varsity basketball player. Well, if you consider being pulled up as a freshman and starting the two playoff games that my school played in, there's a backstory to that, but I don't need to bore you. Played hoop in high school. I stopped in junior college. Uh, a coach thought I was too short. Sure. I tried to persevere past that. It just wasn't happening. So it's all good. Um, became a referee for youth basketball while growing up. Uh, I coached high school boys, uh, freshman and varsity levels, and then youth camps. When I stepped away from high school basketball, coached youth camps, private training, for competitive boys from high school all the way to men's league i'm talking like 35 years old i would train whoever was serious competitive different reasons you know like for example the 35 year old i trained i had known him for a dozen years we had hoop together playing pickup and he a wanted to be better himself but b he wanted to to learn more about hoop he didn't grow up playing hoop just pickup, never organized and he just wanted to have a better understanding better grasp of the X's and O's, and so I helped him out for like two years, so it was pretty cool. Um, He just wanted to be able to pass, pass on some knowledge to his kids. He's got two boys, so that's that. I help whoever is A, competitive, and B, just super serious about the game. I love the NBA. I do, but to be real, it has not been the same for years, and I mostly put that on coaching at all levels leading up to college players have to take control of their careers but I'm not seeing the development I think we should be seeing so I'm tough on the NBA for like the past six, seven years. I'll probably continue to give it a cold shoulder for the most part as far as talking points go but that does not mean I don't follow it. It does not mean that I'm not in tune with the game. I am. I had a ball in my hands since I was four. I'm never gonna let that go. In fact after recording this podcast, I'm about to go play with my boys um 10 minutes away from here so squeezing this in between work and play you know uh so football it's a total team sport man i'm just hoping to help fans think for themselves shed a light on some things not just as a nescient fan which is a nice way to say ignorant but i don't really mean it and with that kind of connotation but uh to be knowledgeable Know that there's a lot that goes on beneath the surface that leads to the results we get to watch. More times than not, I'm going to be positive and supportive of all players and coaches. But I will hold people accountable when it comes to football. And a lot of my takes, they're going to be more positive, supportive, with a developmental process mindset, especially with quarterbacks, who I study the most primarily, quarterbacks and point guards. But since 2011, I've watched every game of every week twice in the NFL. But I'm not here to bore you with A gap blitzes and the depth of a dig route. We'll touch on things like that when they're relevant. But there's other avenues for that information by former players. And you'll get the top five topics of every week from the best show hosts like Colin Cowherd, Jim Rome, you name it. This show is for the in between. For the diehard fans, we'll dig beneath the surface and sometimes really in-depth, but we won't go so far out that it becomes an X and O show. Not quite. Anything you have to say at any time, holler at me on Twitter at Westmonell. that's where we can have our sports convos and questions, continue the conversation. And if you tuned in before this relaunch, thank you for coming back to hang out with me. I love this. I enjoy it. Life is fun, but it's also busy. I'm a happy man with a wife, son, another kid on the way coming this summer. I hang out with both sides of my family. I have a day job, but researching and talking sports and coaching when I can, that's just what I do. It's what I've always done. Other than that, I'm a writer. I actually used to rap on the DL since I was 14, I just turned 33, and you know what, let's venture off a little bit on the number 33, since that's my birth year here, can you name some players that wore number 33, NBA, NFL, MLB, you name it, I'll give you a moment, because I'm about to list quite a few. Time. all right all right I'll let you think about it a little bit here we go NBA number 33 Larry Bird Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Scotty Pippen Grant Hill Patrick Ewing Alonzo Mourning some stars right there over in the NFL Roger Craig the running back with three Super Bowls and four Pro Bowls cornerback formerly from the Bears he's retired Charles Tillman. They used to call him Peanut. Over in the MLB, catcher Mike Piazza. As well as the controversial, Jose Conseco. And then, just to give you a guy from the NHL, Patrick Waugh, the goalie. I used to use him in video games. Man, it's, it's been a while since I've kind of really dove into hockey, but especially since I've said the name or read the name or heard the name, Patrick Waugh but what a great he was. Let me ask, what are some of your memories about any of these players that wore number 33 or if you're older than me, others that I didn't even mention. And there's there's probably more. I just named you know what I could with without you know naming every 33 that's ever played in every sport, you know what I'm saying? So, but yeah, what if anything was memorable to you about the number 33 from any of the players or to the number 33 in your life in general i'm curious holler at me at eight at west Monel on twitter and let's transition now we're going to go into the five notes from 2019 so The third team in four years to reach the Super Bowl when they missed the postseason the year before. The 49ers just became that. The other two, the Eagles and the Falcons, all recent. Third team in four years. San Francisco just did it. I buy Pat Mahomes. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a trailer. If you've ever heard Bucky Brooks sports analyst, NFL analyst, excuse me, he has this truck and trailer metaphor, and I like it a lot. I don't have to agree with everything Bucky Brooks says or everything so-and-so says to like something, for something to stand out, for me to possibly use it, like this truck and trailer analogy. So I'm going to look everywhere for anything that can make this an awesome show and worth your time and that truck and trailer analogy meaning it pertains to the quarterback position you're a truck that means you're carrying the team or capable of carrying the team and if you're a trailer usually you got to be carried it doesn't mean if you're one or the other that you're solely that 100% of the time we know how variable games can be Um, injuries can take a turn and change a team's identity a player can develop from a trailer to a truck all those types of things you guys know that that's why you're here that's why you're listening because you're diehards but someday I think Jimmy Garoppolo can be a truck I just think it was evident I felt this way the entire season but what can you expect from a guy that just came back from an injury the past two seasons Uh, so Garoppolo he's been a trailer this year and That was evident in the Super Bowl. Leading up to that game, everyone wanted to give him a little bit too much credit. I get it. You think he's going to be a success. He came from Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. Now he's with Kyle Shanahan. He's set up for success. He had good moments in the season. Truck moments in the season. And I like the guy. And I'm rooting for the guy. You're never going to hear me say, oh, I'm rooting against that guy. Nah, not really my thing. I just won't talk about that guy. There's more positive and constructive things we can turn our attention to, um, which isn't only better for for my content because I don't buy negativity cells. Y'all can go everywhere else for that. Not my thing. Will those moments come up? Sure. Will we have to talk about those or want to talk about those? Absolutely. Um, you know what I mean? Um, but by this point, if you're still listening, I think we're on the same page. But yeah, like recent quarterbacks that played in a Super Bowl, they haven't tasted much success since those Super Bowl appearances. I'm talking about Eli Manning, who just retired, Joe Flacco, he's now a backup in Denver, Colin Kaepernick, hasn't been in the league, Cam Newton. Hasn't made the playoffs since. Got banged up last year. New regime this year. We'll see how that unfolds. Matt Ryan. It's been tough for the Falcons. It just has been. And Nick Foles. We've seen one of the most interesting careers. That we've ever seen with Nick Foles. And then Jared Goff. Uh, Super Bowl appearance two years ago. Misses the playoffs this year. We'll see. I'm a, I am ai buy Pat Mahomes. I'm sure most. Almost all of us do. But Jimmy Garoppolo, like I said, I buy that he can develop, continue to develop, and possibly be a truck. I'm not going to bank on that. Yes, I am someone that makes a ton of predictions based on what I see right now. I'm telling you this I have to see more of Jimmy Garoppolo. He's been healthy for one year, his team made the Super Bowl. I'm just cautioning you, one, two, three, four, five, six, those seven quarterbacks that recently made the Super Bowl over the past decade, success has been hard to come by, has been hard to repeat. And then what else did we see? Point number three, running too much results in dead ends. Top five rushing teams, Baltimore one and done consecutive seasons, postseasons. Seahawks, Titans, 49ers in a big game. The Cowboys missed the postseason. I've held Russell Wilson at bay as far as, yeah, he's elite, but he doesn't get to throw a lot. Their recipe, it's being a run first team. And you know what? Maybe a little bit for all we know or don't know. It's, you know, rest plate baseball, too. Maybe it's some arm durability concerns, like we've seen with Drew Brees in November, December. And, you know, that may be more so because of age, but maybe there's something to it with Russell Wilson not throwing as much as other quarterbacks every single season. Maybe there's something to him being, you know, a little bit smaller. I'm, I'm not trying to get on a guy that's smaller. I'm small. I'm 5'7". No way I look like I can hoop. No way should I have uh, do I have the look of, "Oh, he's a baller." I mean, I could play if you come out. I, I don't like to talk about it. I'd rather show you. Um, if you're in San Diego, hit me up. I'm just saying, let's we can have fun. You, if you got game, let's play. And then but yeah, all these teams, they protect their QBs and and they may make it far. There is a recipe for success. But maybe with the exception of Russ, the other quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, they tend to get outplayed at that position and come up short. I'm not saying they're not good enough. I'm not saying you can't win with them. You can. If you have the right recipe with a little bit of luck and you build that momentum, you can catch lightning in a bottle. You sure can. Alright, point number four. Kansas City four. New Orleans seven. New England ninth. The only teams in top ten for passing to make the playoffs. And do you know that's it's thirty percent? If you expand it to the top 15 teams, because then you're throwing in the Seahawks and the Texans, and that's five teams out of 15. So five out of 15 teams made the playoffs, the top 15 teams, when they're ranked in the top 10 for passing. It's another note. So there has to be a balance. There has to be a balance. It's too tough to say, oh, we're just a passing team. Oh, we're just a running team. Then you're predictable. Or easier to match up against. More vulnerable to an off game. And then the next point. The best two offensive players last season were Michael Thomas and CMC. Christian McCaffrey, baby. That's my guy. Thomas won Offensive Player of the Year, but you know what? It's crazy how a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving doesn't even win an award when he had a backup quarterback. Thomas and MVP Lamar Jackson—they made the playoffs, so I get it. It's just tough. All right, guys, what do you think of these stats? Anything to add to the conversation? Get at me at Westmonell on Twitter, and then we're gonna dive into the last topic of the show: <music> ten key quarterback situations. Number one, comeback player of the year, Ryan Tannehill. He replaced Marcus Mariota by Week Six, as predicted. Down to the week. I never bought into Mariota, and I liked how Tennessee kept building their team. Strong O-line, Derrick Henry in the backfield, first and second round starting wide receivers, that's Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. I thought Tannehill got a bad rap. Aside from Sam Bradford, I don't think injuries are the end of the world for quarterbacks like they can and have been for other positions. Tannehill ranked 8th in major categories early on in his career, I liked his potential as a former receiver, that transitioned, and I was on the Tannehill Island all by myself for a long time. So this season felt pretty damn good. His performance can be compared to how Jimmy Garoppolo played for the 49ers. If you recall, whatever you think of Jimmy G, he got injured two seasons in a row as we discussed on his new team. That just happened to be the case with Tannehill on his former team. In a worse situation. Let's keep things straight though. I'm not saying either is elite, but you can win with him. 2. Drew Brees started the season, got injured, came back, and the Saints were marching into the playoffs. They were one and done, but hey, they won the division and hosted a playoff game. Three straight years. Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0 in his absence, and honestly, I really thought the team looked more explosive when he was under center. Thing is, the team sounds firm in moving forward with Breeze and Taysom Hill as their quarterback of the future. Hill is today's version of Slash, also known as Cordell Stewart, Steelers fans. I love that guy. Go check out his highlights. He was so fun to watch. He returned kicks, played receiver, running back, started at quarterback. Stud. Anyways, Hill sounds like their future. And it sounds like Breeze is back. Well, or, or he is back. He just told us for one more year at least. But Bridgewater, he's a free agent. He'll be available. Number three, Gardner Minshew replaces Nick Foles. Not just during injury, but Foles got benched after returning and getting blown out twice in a row to division rivals. Minshew brought excitement to Duval County. DJ Chark went over 1,000 yards in his second season. We'll see what happens with new offensive coordinator Jay Gruden, a guy I like a lot. Maybe not as a head coach, but I really like him as an offensive coordinator. I always like it when teams add a former head coach as a coordinator. Especially if they get lucky enough to add one as a position coach. I thought Gruden coached productive offenses despite a cluster mess in Washington. Come on, really? He may have added to it a little bit, but that environment? I don't question Jay's ability as an offensive coordinator. I think he's a good OC But the question is this QB competition, as this will be the second year of Foles' four-year, $80 million deal going head-to-head with a second-year player in Minshew. QB situation number four. Cam Newton was sweating for a couple of months while recovering from his Liz Frank injury. Very serious. Kyle Allen was under center while they won five of six games. Things were looking great, looking fresh, only to lose their last eight games and their head coach. Insert Baylor's head coach, Matt Rule, and OC Joe Brady from LSU. Keep in mind, they have a job. They have Kyle Allen. They have Cam Newton. They say they're committed to Newton now that he's healthy. I'm going to tell you this, that job is going to have to be earned. I don't know what a new regime will do at the quarterback position beyond this offseason, but I would assume they target one in the draft. New regime, college coaches, they're probably going to get a guy they like. Whether Newton remains as a stopgap option or not, since he does have one year left on his deal, it's, it's just a murky situation. That can get even more complicated if Newton feels no commitment from the new faces. I'm not high on Cam, but I think he could do well with a pair of college minds. Number five, Ben Roethlisberger goes down, Mason Rudolph gets benched, Devlin Hodges does okay. We all know what it is. Big Ben's coming back, and the Steelers have every reason to be excited. They don't have a legit quarterback ready to take the reins yet. They do have a monster defense that nearly carried them into the postseason. This sounds absolutely ridiculous, but what if the Killer Bees got the band back together? If Antonio Brown ever plays another down? Look, he only found happiness in Pittsburgh. Also, the Black and Yellow inquired about Le'Veon Bell at the trade deadline. We may like James Conner and the guy has been through some stuff, but he's had a couple seasons where he hasn't been that durable. Anyways, I'm higher on the receiving core as is than I was a year ago. Juju is a playmaker, James Washington averaged 16.7 yards per catch, and Deontay Johnson scored five TDs. Not bad. QB situation number six, Daniel Jones showed promise if he has a clean pocket he can and will sling it for better or worse he's a confident passer the one thing he needs to hit hard and i mean go ham on this offseason is pocket presence i get it as a rookie but it's like he completely ignored pressure around him much of the time i know he's mobile and a good athlete but improving poise and pocket presence may very well come under Joe Judge and Jason Garrett. Who we'll find out soon. You but you got to love the arm and ability he showed as a rookie. It's exciting New York. Ryan Fitzpatrick, this is number 7. He played an integral role for the Dolphins. They were well coached despite lacking overall talent. Despite what you may think on the surface, they were well coached. What Fitzpatrick displayed is a warrior mentality. He showed them how to be a pro, and lo and behold, career year for Devontae Parker, in year number five. We see tight end Mike Jacecki make some strides. Maybe the situation became healthy for Josh Rosen. I don't know the extent of that. Maybe it helps Rosen to see someone capable of starting, who has bounced around the league for a long time, get humbled, yet play confidently. Fitzpatrick will be back. But it doesn't matter if he starts or not in my eyes. To him, of course it does. This is their off season to see what Rosen has learned. The big thing here, if Rosen is their future, they can use their three first-round picks to beef up the roster. If there is a quarterback that they fall in love with, that's more than enough ammo to rebuild this thing. They draft 5th, 18th, and 26th. QB situation number 8. In Denver, Joe Flacco got benched. Brandon Allen got a chance. Drew Locke. Another guy that showed promise. I do find it interesting that he said he wants to improve his speed this offseason. Improving at anything certainly helps, sure. That can be one of many focuses, but I'd prefer to hear something along the lines of passing. You know what I mean? If Locke gets the nod, which Elway just committed to him in year number two, he gets to work with new OC Pat Shermer, who just worked with another young QB, and Daniel Jones. So that was a good move on the DL by the Broncos, bringing a guy he, he's familiar working with a young quarterback. He also coached Kirk Cousins. Anyways... Denver, they may may or may not have an answer yet at quarterback, so if there's a player they view as an upgrade, they're going to pull the trigger. Usually, John Elway is more inclined to go with the veteran, He tried Flacco, and he's paying that contract to sit on the bench. I know that's another challenge when it comes to trying to get another quarterback, but we'll see if they're firmly committed to Drew Locke. Will his words hold? ring true as far as John Elway goes um, but like I said if there's an upgrade they would be remiss not to do their due diligence at the very least who would you want if you're a Broncos fan and does Philip Rivers intrigue you at all Teddy Bridgewater what if Elway can pull off another future Hall of Fame signing you know a few years ago was Peyton Manning I'm sure you'd sign up for Tom Brady if that were a realistic possibility. I'm just saying. But yeah, it seems like it's going to be Drew Locke. Number nine, Andy Dalton got benched for Ryan Finley. Then subbed him back in. Many believe the Bengals to be drafting Joe Burrow with the number one overall pick. Let me tell you this much. Like I said about Tannehill, Guys like Dak Prescott or Alex Smith, who may return to football next season. Dalton was not the reason for their losing. He may not elevate everybody around him, which Prescott seems to be improving at. And Smith made a couple of playoff runs, if you recall. And we just saw Tannehill win Comeback Player of the Year and make the playoffs, uh, all the way to the AFC title game. Dalton is a guy you can win with. That's all I'm saying. And he only has one year remaining on his contract. In QB situation number 10, Dwayne Haskins replaces Case Keenum, who is a free agent, by the way, one that I'm very interested in if you need a backup quarterback. New regime with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator. Yes, that's Norv Turner's son. We just mentioned Alex Smith, and, well, if there's something you know about that situation, I'm all ears. Being from San Diego... I've been Googling Alex Smith every month to find any news. Kind of curious to see if he'll continue playing or, you know, attempt a comeback. Haskins got to play as a rookie, and that's huge. They're committed to him, and that's huge too. Coach Rivera compared him to Big Ben's size and pocket presence. It's a good thing. They have a lot of questions in Washington beyond QB. Can Darius guys turn things around like Dalvin Cook did? Who else do they bring in to help Terry McLaurin? Do they prioritize re signing elite guard Brandon Scherf? But hey, at least with the new staff, they're committed to Dwayne Haskins. Alright, and to recap things, diehards, we went over we just went over the ten quarterback situations from twenty nineteen that caught my attention. We talked about the challenges quarterbacks have had after a Super Bowl appearance. We went over some of the great number thirty threes. If you didn't know before, I used to play point guard and coach basketball, been writing sports, rap for a little bit. Anyhow, you can catch me on Twitter at West Monell. And, oh, one little nugget, the XFL, they've had an awesome couple of weeks, haven't they? I, I hope you've been watching because if you tuned in like I have, you'd be enjoying it. You really would. It's pretty fun to watch. Probably going to put a little pressure on the NFL to, you know, adapt a little bit, which is cool, which is a good thing. That league can succeed. I see it succeeding because it's not competing with the NFL. It takes place after the Super Bowl. It's it's spring football. It gives guys a chance at extended playing time. I don't think this is the best talent they can get right now, like some people have said. Look. They got who they got right now to start the league. P.J. Walker has been fun to watch at quarterback. He's probably the best player in the XFL so far in this short amount of time. It's been pretty damn cool, guys. I'm telling you. Uh, I'm not saying you have to be dedicated to the XFL like you are the NFL. Um, But if you tune in, I think you'd be entertained. I really do. I think it's innovative but not overboard. Just enough to be refreshing and, what I think, built to last. Um... And then we had All-Star Weekend. It was all right. I'm not really into NBA All-Star Weekend. The whole Kobe Bryant situation. God bless those nine people. It's tough, but at least they're being thought of by, you know, by so many people. They are. Uh, if you believe what I believe, they're in a better place. And, and it's great that we get to celebrate them. It, it was really weird. I, I got to share this real quick, and, and then we'll cut out. Yeah, I'm a big Kobe fan. Uh, I Born and raised in Southern California. Uh, I've gone to Laker games, you know what I mean? Um, Yes, I'm a Bulls fan. But you follow hoop, you love hoop. You know, I played my whole life. There's Kobe jerseys left and right when I walk out the door. So on that day, I had to go to a friend's... Not had, I I was excited to go to my best friend's gender reveal. And uh, we were still home. When I saw the news, I texted all the guys in a group chat. Apparently, I was the first one to find out. I just happened to be on Twitter. And um, everyone was tripping out, myself included. Well, I was still home. And I changed everything I was wearing just to put on my Kobe jersey. It was freezing that day. But, you know, I wore a little black undershirt under my black, black, gold, and purple jersey. Repping KB24, baby. And, uh, you know, it hit me. And then the other day, last week, I actually lost my dog, too. So um, I figured it would help you to know who you're listening to if you like the content and you're tuning in. And so I just want to show you the respect back that, hey, this is who I am beyond sports. It's been tough, and it was really weird. I, you know, I'm not Kobe, not related to Kobe, not in the circle. I don't know any of the other eight people. Everyone I knew in my life knew that... You know, knowing the diehard sports fan that I am, to have, to an ex- obsessive point, they were apologizing to me. Telling me how sorry they were to me. Um, I just found that really interesting. I won't say odd, but interesting. And then I'd share with them, like, yeah, well, you know, um, it's Kobe. Uh, watched his entire career beginning to the end. I watched him shoot air balls coming off the bench in the playoffs. And to be honest with you, I'm not here to, to, you know, throw a bunch of predictions right now. That's where the future shows. But uh, that's when I knew Kobe was gonna ball, guys. Me personally, watching those games, Kobe shooting those air balls, I just knew. And I was a kid. I'm telling you, I just knew. Just, I'm just a basketball head. Just a sports junkie. And it was really. Amazing to see his entire career, and I know you guys have a lot of memories on Kobe and a lot of stories. And you know, I know it was a month ago now, at this point, it's a lot easier for me to even talk about it. Now, the one thing that I picked from that, aside from the Kobe and the memories and and those kind of feelings, is that damn, I may have known we are mortal. As people as humans but I feel it more now after seeing Kobe Bryant as close to a superhero that I can kind of imagine as a person and then you know I went the first 33 years of my life without losing anyone I know how lucky and blessed and that I've been but damn then I lost my dog the day before my birthday last week. That was rough. But it was the right decision. We, we had to put him down and all that. But uh, I say all of this to say. I've never felt so mortal in my life. But at the same token. Since those two. Uh, things happened. That um, I never felt so appreciative. And so connected. And so connected to the people around me and that's the positive spin I'm gonna take from some heartbreaking events and I hope you do too Um, whether I do sports or whether I go to work I view everyone as a person first so just wanted to share that guys um, I, I, I had to get that off my chest and um, maybe you feel the same way but yeah diehards thanks for tuning in with me I miss doing this um, the research never stopped the note taking never stopped just had to be a, a family man for a while I'm stoked to be back will do my best to be consistent and it'll help if I hear from you at Wes Lonell on twitter let me know whether it's about the quarterback topic, the Super Bowl thing we talked about, any of the topics today, even if you want to just vent or share memories about Kobe or if you want to chime in on number 33's, whatever it is, holler at your boy and i'll see you i'll see you next time. I'm out.